and easily fall on their face, you know. But when I grew up, I didn't fall so frequently. The same thing with spiritual maturity. When you're young in the Lord, when you're immature and you, have, you, you lack knowledge and understanding, there are things that you do simply because you're immature and you're childishly irresponsible. But when you grow up in spiritual and physical maturity, there's something that you automatically do because of your maturity level and your understanding. It's the same thing that in spiritual matters. You're going to trip and fall in your face a whole lot less than you did when you were a new convert. Before you first came to Christ, there's a whole lot that you didn't understand or know. But the more you know, the more you understand, the more you do these things, the more you continue in doing spiritual disciplines. Hallelujah. You know? There are physical disciplines that, that we go through regimens day in and day out. Amen. And, and it helps us to be steady in our walk. And it's the same thing in the spiritual realm. Amen. When you keep going through the spiritual regimens of discipline, spiritually, prayer and fasting, continued faithful church attendance, it's encouraging one another. Amen. It's communicating with God. Amen. Reading the Word of God and, and applying your heart to spiritual things. You are going to get stronger. It is a natural byproduct in the spiritual. Just as you're a little child and you eat your food, you eat your vegetables, and you do all the things that contribute to your growth, you are going to change for the better. You're going to get stronger. You're going to get walking better. And you're going to fall a lot less on your face than you did when you were a little baby. That's the truth. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. But God wants us to be full of joy. Hallelujah. Joy is not dependent on circumstance. It's not how good I feel in the flesh. Hallelujah. It all is dependent upon my well-being in God. Hallelujah. And that is easy to fix if there's something wrong. Amen. But we have to come to this understanding. We've got to, to, to really be in prayer and, and really get a revelation of, of, of not only the joy that we have, but, but that well-being, that state of well-being that we have in God. You really got to tangibly have a revelation of that. You've got to see that for yourself because it makes a big difference in your attitude. It makes a big difference in, in, in how you go through life each and every day. It makes a big difference in your ability to maintain that joy. Now, let me tell you just a few verses of Scripture about what the Bible says about joy. Psalm 16, 11 says that there is joy in His presence. It says, Thou wilt show me the path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures for any more, evermore. Hallelujah. You know that when you worship God in your own private closet or when you come to church and we corporately worship the Lord, it's all good. But we're after the presence of God. The presence of God is so important in your life. Amen. The presence of God is what sets us apart from just basic ritualistic religion and going through the motions. Amen. And feeling God and his power and his surge, his strength. Hallelujah. The Bible says in the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Hallelujah. Strength comes to you from the Lord when you entertain his presence. His joy comes to you when his presence is there. Amen. And you can feel the moving of the Spirit in our midst. Hallelujah. When we sing with all of our hearts and we focus on him. Amen. That's why the psalmist said there is fullness of joy in his presence. Praise God. And then the psalm, John also said that there's joy in his word. 
In verse 11, we read it. These things have I spoken unto you. What is that? That's words. Jesus spoke words. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. In uh, Romans 14, 17, I read it to you, quoted it to you already. The kingdom of God is neither meat nor drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness first, that's that right standing. That's what creates that well-being. It is getting right with God. How do you get right with God? Well, you know, you have to first of all be born again. Amen. And a born-again process uh, has with it that, that, that repentance. Uh, where we repent of all of our sins. We repent of our past life uh, and all that we have done and walked in ungodliness, uh, walked after the desires of our own heart and not after the Spirit of God. We did all things ungodly. Uh, but now we want a change of life. Uh, we want a change of course, a change of direction. Uh, and we repent of our sins. Uh, and we give it all to God. Lord, forgive me. Uh, I have sinned against you. I know I did. Uh, hallelujah. And I know you forgive. You're a merciful God. We preached about it last Sunday. Amen. God is a merciful God and he forgives and he forgets. That's the kind of God we serve. But it begins with repentance and then you're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Just like the early church did. Just like every time somebody was baptized in water they were baptized in full immersion in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. That is part of the new birth process. That is part and parcel of getting in a well-being, right standing with God. Hallelujah. When you're baptized in that water, your sins are washed. It's remitted away. Amen. And the Bible says that we come up righteous. Why? Our filthy rags of sin are buried in that water. And Jesus gives us his righteousness. And we come up out of the water righteous, made clean by the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. That's why 2 Corinthians 5 says, uh, hallelujah, that we're new creatures in Christ. Uh, hallelujah, that he that knew no sin became sin for us, that we may be made the righteousness of God in him. Do you understand that? See, you have to have a revelation of that. You've got to have a knowledge of that and apply that to your own self. Amen. Not to somebody else. Amen. Not to some saint or some other person that you know is really good. No, it applies to you. If you have repented of your sins and you have taken the name of Jesus Christ upon you, amen, he has made you righteous through his precious blood. That's why he shed his blood to make you and I righteous. Why? So that we can have that well-being and that state of well-being and connection to God so that our joy may be full. Hallelujah. But it doesn't stop with baptism. It goes on to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. That's why Paul, writing to the Romans, says uh, it's not just repentance and baptism. Uh, you got to go on. It's in the Holy Ghost. Uh, hallelujah. It's by the Spirit of Almighty God. Uh, praise the name of the Lord. You know, on the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit of God was first poured out, there was joy in that upper room of the 120. There was joy of shouting. There was joy of dancing. There was joy in speaking in other tongues. Uh, and that joy just, just overflowed. Uh, it wasn't just to the brim, Brother McNutt. That overflowed to the streets of Jerusalem with thousands of foreign Jews were in that city as well and they heard them speaking with tongues rejoicing, shouting, dancing hallelujah and they accused them of being drunk why? because they were so full of joy it's amazing people don't have any inhibitions when they drink liquor 
about being joyful. But you know, hallelujah, when you get in church and when you get a full dose of the Holy Ghost, I guarantee you, you're going to let loose, you're going to cut loose and be able to worship God. Hallelujah. You're going to be able to praise him. You're going to rejoice. Why? Because with that spirit comes a great deep joy that nothing else can give. It'll be a different kind of a joy than you get in a bottle, different kind of a joy that you get in a joint or something, snorting some other stuff. Amen. Hallelujah. You know what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm, I'm stating the obvious, but I'm telling you that there's the joy that comes in the Holy Ghost. That's why Paul said the Roman, for the, for the kingdom of God is neither meat nor drink. It's not what we eat or drink, but it's righteousness. It's right standing in God. It is peace. You know, when you get to be a right standing with God, now you're no longer at war with him. You're at peace. And that brings with it a tremendous peace. Hallelujah. Because you're no longer, and you don't feel the weight and the burden of the spiritual struggle. Amen. Now, yeah, you'll have struggles, but that's what I'm talking about. It's, it's, this, it's absent that burden and guilt and, and, and all the stuff that comes with, with pushing you down as your sins are pulling you down. Amen. And, and when you get rid of that, you feel so light. You just feel liberated. Amen. It's like, it's like taking chains off of somebody. It really, it really is. And I remember how it was when I first repented of my sins, age 22. And I'll never forget it, August 25th, 1975. That's been a long time ago, 45 plus years ago. But here I am, a repentance kept me to this day. And his mercy had kept me up to this day. Amen. But I remember what it felt like when I unloaded that guilt, when I unloaded that shame, when I unloaded all the things of the past. Amen. I went in that water. I came out so light. I mean, I was just, I could have walked on water just about. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. But you know what I'm talking, I'm describing the feeling it was when I, when I unloaded that. And there is such a great release when you repent of your sins. You know, we, we, we're not condemning anybody. You know, it, it's, it's not punishment. Repent of your sins, be baptized, get the Holy Ghost, you dirty, rotten sinner. You know, we gotta, we're going to do that to you because if you know you're going to split hell wide open. That's not what this is about. I'm talking about joy. I'm talking about God who wants to restore us what we lost back in the garden. And then he died on the cross to bring us back to that place of joy and well-being and peace and satisfaction. Hallelujah. God's not wanting to punish anybody. The Bible says it's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come unto repentance. Why? Because that's where his life is at. That's where real living is. Hallelujah. That's what real living is all about. Hallelujah. And with that comes that joy. Mm, hallelujah. Praise God. Well, joy is also a, a fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. Joy is right in there as one of the fruit of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Do you have the fruit of the Spirit? Do you have the fruit of joy? Do you have long-suffering? Do you have the fruit of love? Oh, hallelujah. When God fills you with a spirit, you will, and you will never let loose of it. Hallelujah. Psalm 126, verse 5. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come with, again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. There is joy in winning a soul to Jesus Christ. Amen. And if you have not experienced that joy yet, 
I can tell you that God ordained you, God called you, God anointed you with the Holy Spirit, amen, to give you a mouth of the Spirit to witness to somebody and to use you to save someone, amen, for the glory of his name. Hallelujah. He didn't save you just to save you. And you sit down on your, on your, on your, on your seat and, and do nothing more and just enjoy the salvation. Oh, that's great to have that joy from the well-being. But you see, God saved us for a purpose. He's got a purpose for our lives. Amen. Jesus said to his apostles uh, and all his disciples uh, before he went up in ascension and sent him back to the upper room to pray for the Holy Ghost. Uh, he said, but ye shall be my witnesses after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be my witnesses in, beginning in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Hallelujah. And that goes for you and me. When you got baptized with the Holy Ghost, it was not just to keep it to yourself, but to seek God and use his authority, use his word, hallelujah, and to talk to somebody else and bring him the salvation. Why? Because there's joy. There's joy. Hallelujah. He's talking about weeping and bearing precious seed. It means that when you pray for people, not just your loved ones, not just your children, amen, but you're praying for your neighbor. Amen. The one that you've been witnessing to. And you say, God, save that person. Lord, touch them. Deal with them. Talk to them. Lead them to an altar of repentance. Hallelujah. God is going to use you. And when you sow those seeds of tears, God sees and God hears. And he will deal with those hearts. He will deal with those people. And pretty soon, you'll be talking to them and inviting them to church. Or inviting them to prayer right there where they are. Hallelujah. I pray that each and everybody would get that boldness uh, to ask somebody to pray right on the streets. I was reading about some of the greatest revivals this past week. I was reading about the Salvation Army in Britain in the late 1870s. William Booth. Yeah, they were helping. They really weren't establishing soup kitchens at first that weren't about passing out clothes. In fact, they felt it was an insult to the dignity of men to just freely give them something. They charged them either a very little price or they offered them work to work off whatever they got, whether it was food or clothing. But they felt that the best thing that people, that the Salvation Army could do to help people come out of poverty was to give them Jesus. I'm talking about the beginning days. That's not, not like today. Salvation Army came and it was established here in America, though it was started in Britain first. We picked up on it. It's still around. But what a great philosophy. This is true. Hallelujah. See, David learned it too when he was a king and he was an older man already when he wrote Psalm 37, 25. That's not in your notes, sisters. Sister Ruth, you don't have to worry about it. I've been young and now I'm old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. That's very important. See, God wants to bring us into a position of right standing, righteousness with him. Why? Because when we come into that position of righteousness, 
then our Heavenly Father will heal the, hear their prayers and provide for them their food and shelter and clothing. It's one thing to give somebody a dollar or a ten or give them a bite to eat, and there's nothing wrong with that. You can do that. But the greatest thing you can do for them is to bring them to Jesus Christ. Because that brings them to righteousness, a right standing with God. And that's why Jesus said in Matthew 6.33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You see the philosophy of the kingdom? God wants to give himself to the individual. Oh yeah, they're hungry right now? Feed them. Are they cold? Give them a coat. Give them what they need for the moment. Amen. But for the long term, not just in this life, but for eternity, the best thing you and I can do is to give them Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Oh, hallelujah. The Lamb that taketh away the sins of the world. Hallelujah. That's what our job is. That's why it's important for you to pray for somebody on the street. The Salvation Army didn't wait for people to come to their church meeting. Amen. Because most of the time they didn't have a building. But you know what they, they did do? They had prayer meetings all night long the week before and fastings day after day asking for 50 or 100 people to be saved the following week. And you know what? Amen. As they were singing with their band and having a parade and through going through town and was poverty stricken. Why? 1870s, the Industrial Revolution is in full bloom and factories were coming and going, shutting down and, or, and not paying anybody. No unemployment insurance, uh, no uh, social services uh, to help the poor. Amen. And they were needy uh, looking for help from God. Uh, and who better to give it to them uh, than the Lord God Almighty who made them? They were parading through the streets, and they were after prayer, much prayer, seeking God. People would be coming as they stopped at one place. They put out this wooden platform. They didn't care where they were, but as they were preaching and testifying, in fact, most of the time it was testimonies of people from the previous week who gave their life to God. They were testifying out in the public, and you know what? While they were testifying, people were coming and falling on their faces in public at that makeshift little altar on the ground. And you had 50 to 100 people every week repenting on the streets. Why? Because people took it seriously. The best thing that they could offer them is Jesus Christ. And the question is, do we believe that? Do we believe that the best thing we can offer them is Jesus Christ in this world? If we do, are we living up to that belief? Are we bearing precious seed, weeping as we go forth? Hallelujah. The Bible says if we do, we will be rejoicing because we will be bringing sheaves to the souls of lost men and women. To God and His glory. There's a joy that goes with soul winning. There's a great joy that goes along with teaching a home Bible study. Whether it's in this marvelous light or the overview of the Bible, search for truth or exploring God's Word in 10 lessons, all of those things. You know what you're doing? You're, 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 you're bearing precious seeds, sowing them 
Amen. There's Bible studies going on right now, several in this church. Hallelujah. I would to God that more would be going on. I pray to God for more, church, more, more teachers. We need more teachers to teach search for truth and Bible studies. Bible studies, hallelujah. Amen. And weep over the lost because God wants to bring in the harvest. It's our time. It's our time. But there's joy in salvation. Would you just lift your hand right now and say, Lord, lay some soul on my heart. God Almighty, hallelujah, I want to experience that joy that comes with bringing a soul to you. Lord Almighty God, use me as an instrument in your hand. Help me, Lord, to do my part. Hallelujah, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, thank you for praying with me. Hallelujah. Praise God. Isaiah 12, 3, the prophet said that there's joy in salvation. Therefore, with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. Amen. Joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. There's joy in worship. We know it. Psalm 132:16. I will also clothe her priest with salvation and her saints shall shout aloud for joy. Hallelujah. Even when there's famine, when things aren't going well, amen, when things politically and otherwise economically may not be going well, even in the midst of a pandemic, Habakkuk 3, 17 and 18, although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall, fall, shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat. The flocks shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. You understand that you can have joy in the midst of complete economic failure? Some people, I remember reading about them in 1929, big stock market crash. People were jumping out of their windows killing themselves in New York because of all the money they lost on the stock market. Don't do that. I heard on the news last week that, that, one, of that one of the attorneys in St. Louis, you heard about it too, I'm sure, the guy with the eye patch, 11th floor window, jumped out, killed himself just last week. Had nothing to live for. He got a bad medical report, a bad report, and the doctor said there's no hope for him. We don't even know what it is. He just went, okay, I don't want my family to deal with it. I'm gone. My goodness, who in the world would want to pick jumping out of a window? Really? Apparently, there are people out there like that. I, I, I feel sorry for the guy. I really do. Amen. And, and I, 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 mean, I know his face. I, mean, I know him and his brother. They're great lawyers and whatnot. But goodness gracious. He didn't have any hope. I wonder if there was anybody that ever encountered him that offered him Jesus Christ. I wonder if it would have turned out differently. I really believe that so many lives and so many destinies would have turned out so much different if they had that hope that Jesus offers. And you and I are the agents of that hope and agents of that, that mission and that ambassadorship. Amen. Because you see, Paul tells in 2 Corinthians 5 also that we are ambassadors for Christ. An ambassador is, is, is outward. It's not, you know, to into the church. It's out of the church. It's 
we are, we are representatives of the kingdom of God to a lost and dying world. We are to represent the kingdom to the best of our ability in word, in authority, and in power. And I think too often we have failed to live up to that. And a lot of it is it's not having this revelation, not only of the joy, but not only having a revelation of our identity, our authority, and our mission, and how things work. Because really that, that's, that's all about uh, really what, what the devil tempted Jesus about as well, his identity. You look at his temptation in three panels. After Jesus was baptized, he wasn't baptized because he was a sinner. Uh, he was baptized or, or, or washed in water because all priests at age 30, before they began the public ministry, had to wash fully in water. Amen. And he did. And then they would anoint the priest with a, with a, with a gallon and a half of oil, a special anointing oil, which was really a symbol, a symbolic representation of the Spirit of Almighty God. But we'll, we see in, in Matthew and in the Synoptic Gospels that when Jesus was baptized in water, he had that washing to begin his public ministry. And it was the annunciation of the Father that he is the Son, assuming full authority and command of his household. And that's another message I'll preach on another day, which is really worthwhile to address to let us see, you know, what happened on that day, that Christ's annunciation, amen, of full authority and power walking in that of the Father, invisible spirit. And then when, when he was announced, announced in a voice heard, uh, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. This is my son. He's taking over my household. It's, you know, when, when, when a son who is the, 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 the firstborn and he takes over for his father, amen, when the son has reached full age, then he may have a public enunciation, a public party, if you please. And announce him as now indeed, amen, worthy of all authority and function as the next in line to everything that his father had at home. And that's basically what happened on that day with Jesus. The voice was said, this is my beloved son. Aha, uh -huh, the devil heard that too. That's why when the next point, Jesus went out into the wilderness, driven by the Spirit, because the Spirit came on him. You know, John was the only one that saw it because John had the vision and God told him ahead of time, the one on whom you see the Spirit come, like a dove, he's the one, he's the Messiah. And John was the only one that saw it. Amen. That was just a one-time special vision given to the prophet John the Baptist who was given the mission to, to lay the foundation and the groundwork for the coming of Jesus Christ. And Jesus did that. He had that anointing spirit uh, and a vision, of course, he was, he was the spirit manifest in flesh. He didn't need no anointing. It was already there. That was just a vision for John. But when he got done with that, that ceremonial step, then he was driven to the wilderness. And there the, the devil asked him three times, if thou be the son of God, if you claim to have that identity that you say you have, if indeed God announced you to be the Son of God, well, turn this rock into bread. And it only goes through the temptation. But, uh, but, but in, in essence, Jesus in, in those temptations was really challenged on his identity, 
and his authority and his mission. And I'm here to tell you today that you need to have a revelation of your identity in Jesus Christ, of who you are as a righteous saint of God that was washed by the blood of the Lamb, anointed by the Spirit, amen, to be a king and a priest in his kingdom. And I'm telling you scriptures I preached on here before, amen. You are a born-again Christian. You are a holy saint of God. You are to be a king and a priest. There's no male or female. There are no queens in God's kingdom. Amen. You have been anointed a king. And kings exercised authority. Jesus said, Behold, I give you power over all the power of the enemy. You shall tread on scorpions and serpents, and nothing of the enemy by all means shall harm you. But how many of us have lived up to that, to that, that, that vision or that, that, that identity that God died to establish for us? I believe I'm speaking to hear some hungry people and hungry hearts that are not satisfied with the Christianity they've experienced so far, but they want to go a little further. They want to do a little bit more for God. Well, let me tell you, it will come when you get a vision and a revelation of who you are in Jesus Christ, a king and a priest. Amen. When you get to understand your identity, your mission, hallelujah, and your authority, hallelujah, praise the name of the Lord. Jesus, even when you go on to look at John chapter 15, 16, 17, uh, tell them about he's given them power. Amen. Hallelujah. And, he, that, and whatever that Jesus did, you shall do greater things than these. I'm talking about identity because you see there's a great joy that, had, that when we have that identity, that revelation. And this is why... <laughs> I can just think of one example. After the, Peter is in, uh, is in jail, and he was uh, uh, incarcerated seven days, and, and Herod already killed James, and, and he said he saw it, it pleased the people, and uh, he said, you know what, let's kill Peter too. So he puts him in jail. It was still, the, uh, uh, still Easter uh, in Christian terms. Uh, and, and so he, he had him in prison. And the Bible says Peter was in jail, Back three wards in, three layers in on the prison, and there's two Roman soldiers sleeping on either side of him. Amen. And this was the seventh day now, and prayer was being made for him. This is Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12, and, and, and John Mark's house, uh, his mother's having a prayer meeting. And people have been praying for seven days for Peter. Nothing happened so far. And Peter's in that prison house, and there he is, knowing that next morning, when he wakes up, he's going to be let out, and they got to cut his head off. Now, how would, you have, how would you have been on the inside knowing that you're spending your last day on earth in jail before your head's cut off? I mean, could you be as cool as a cucumber? Could you just sleep next to two guards on either side of you and be at perfect peace? And That's what I'm talking about. You, you, you know why he could have that perfect peace? Because he knew who he was. He had that inner joy. What was it? I have my well-being with God. I'm, I'm in, hey, I'm in close contact. And if I die, Lord, I'll see you in the morning. I, but do we have that outlook on life? We should. 
See, this is, this is why having this mindset is so important. Paul talks to us in Romans 12, you know, one about, you know, brethren, I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your body a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable, which is your reasonable service. And in verse 2, he goes on to say, but be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds. This is why the word is so important. We need to saturate our minds with our identity that God has given us, the scriptures that tell us who we are. We don't want to listen to the, the, what the world tells us. And Wednesday night, we had such a wonderful amen message for Sister Becky about identity. And if you haven't seen that, it's well worth the watch. Praise God. It's about Joseph and, and his identity and, and, and what others thought about him, what, uh, what others' people's opinions could have done to, to infringe upon the identity that Joseph had for himself already. Amen. It could have worked against him, but he didn't allow those things, uh, amen, to change his mindset uh, because every step of the way, one thing the scripture was very clear about pronouncing is that every step of the way, although he was going backwards and seems like going forwards, the Bible said, but God was with Joseph. That's why Peter could sleep in, in prison. Why? His joy was full. Why? Because in your presence, there's fullness of joy. Hallelujah. God was with Peter in the prison. God is with you in the hospital room. God is with you in your prison. God is with you in your battle. God is with you in your loss. God is with you in your hurt. God is with you in your battle. God is with you in your depression. God is with you in your discouragement. God is with you when the bills are high and the money is low. Hallelujah. God is with you. And when God is with you, that's all that matters. You can have the joy of the Lord. For the joy of the Lord is my strength. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, singers. I'm done. Amen. Hallelujah. I, I got more to say. I'm done. I think this is where I should stop right now. I think we should sing about the joy of the Lord. Hallelujah. I want the musicians to come. I want the praise singers to come. Amen. Hallelujah. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. 1 Peter 4.12 says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you, but rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Hallelujah. You may be going through a trial right now, but I'm telling you, joy is coming for you at the end. Joy is in the end. Hallelujah. Joy is coming in the morning. Praise the name of the Lord. Watch this. Uh, this is my last scripture. Isaiah 35, 10. And the ransom of the Lord shall. You know who the ransomed are? That's you and me. Amen. We were sold unto sin, but Christ paid the price with his blood on Calvary and purchased your salvation mine. Why? Because he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And when you were lost and he paid the price and you invoked his and appropriated his promise in repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, being filled with the Holy Ghost, guess what? You are ransomed. You've been saved by the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. Watch this. And the ransom of the Lord shall return. They come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Hallelujah. Listen, 
when we lost our right standing with God in the Garden of Eden, we've been besieged by sickness, depression, discouragement, the weight of sin, everything against us. But God wants to take all those things away and restore unto us that peace, that joy, and that well-being, and even more than what we had in the Garden. That's what this kingdom is all about. That's what the message of Jesus Christ is all about. That's what the message and hope of the gospel is. It's going back to God. It's realigning our lives with Him. It's being filled with His joy. Oh, He wants you to be filled with His joy. Oh, would you stand to your feet right now, lift your hands. Let's tell the Lord, Lord, no matter what I'm going through, no matter what I'm feeling, it's not by feelings, but by faith in your word. Hallelujah. Help me to be right with you. Help me, Lord, to get a revelation of my well-being, my right relationship with you. Oh, God, in Jesus' name, examine my heart, Lord, if there's anything that's keeping me from you right now. Lord, help me to deal with it. Help me to confess it. Help me to take care of it. Lord, for you said there's nothing too hard for you. Amen. There's nothing that I have done, amen, that will keep me away from you if I confess my sins. Almighty God, in Jesus' name, Lord, I plead the blood of the Lamb over these people here today. I plead the precious blood of Jesus Christ over each and every one. And Lord, I pray that their right connection, their right standing with you, O Lord, would be formed and stronger than ever before. Let there be a revelation of their identity, a revelation of their mission, their purpose, their authority in you, O Lord God. For there is joy in the house. There's joy in the house.